This podcast is the design of City Sites Urban Media, and our goal is to bring into focus the difference between culture and God's ideas found in His Word. To learn more, go to citysitesurbanmedia.com. What role should religion play in a free society? More and more people today would answer, none. That would not have been the answer of the founders of the United States, the men who fought the American Revolution and wrote the country's constitution. To them, the issue of religion and freedom were inextricably linked. You couldn't have freedom without religion. In fact, the political philosophy of the founders necessitated a divine foundation. Thomas Jefferson makes this clear in the Declaration of Independence when he writes that all men are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. The purpose of government, Jefferson and his compatriots believed, was not to bestow rights. Rather, it was to protect those rights already endowed upon human beings by God. But government isn't enough for a free society. A moral people is also required. That is, a people moral enough to police itself. Virtue or morality, George Washington observed, is a necessary spring of popular government. Thus, for the founders, liberty was not merely the ability to do what one wanted. It came with moral demands and boundaries. This is the City Sites Podcast with Larry Kutzler. When I was a kid, I remember the big threat to society was the nuclear bomb. We had drills in school where we would crawl under our desks as a way to survive a nuclear blast. Of course, there was no nuclear bomb explosions, but the threat, we were told, was real, and we always had to be prepared. Well, today, kids have a different enemy to guard against, and it isn't the pandemic virus COVID-19. It is the ideas that determine how a person is shaped and how a person thinks. We used to talk about character development, and it was founded upon the morality of Judeo-Christian values. Simply put, it was the Ten Commandments. These simple moral guidelines gave parameters to how we treated others and how character was shaped. Today, character is shaped by how you feel, and your experience with feelings is as valid as any principle from the past. Recently, it was said in the news that rioting and looting was justified because of the way black people have been treated. In other words, it's okay to steal as long as you were black and you had every right to take something that belongs to others because it was owed to you. Owed to you because of feelings, not because of law or moral code. It was because of feelings. Feelings of guilt, shame of racism, feelings of privilege and hatred. I have a 20-month granddaughter staying with us now, and when all the adults get in the room, we remind each other to watch what we say because little eyes are watching. As simple as that may sound, it is true with all of us. We listen to what people say and watch what they do and then make up our minds on what is right and what is wrong. When we have removed moral and principal values from our society, we are left with feelings, and feelings were never meant to be the foundation of behavior. Feelings, however, can shift, and they can influence and be manipulated to reflect attitudes and emotions. Music, for example, can change a mood in a room and shift the direction of people's attitudes. Ideas that support feelings are popular today. It is the basis for political campaigns, for advertising, and even sermons in churches. Today, I want to look at some statistics that have encouraged the darkness in our world. If I were the devil, if I were the devil, if I were the prince of darkness, I'd want to engulf the whole world in darkness. 
and I'd have a third of its real estate and four-fifths of its population, but I wouldn't be happy until I had seized the ripest apple on the tree, the. So I'd set about however necessary to take over the United States. I'd subvert the churches first. I'd begin with a campaign of whispers. With the wisdom of a serpent, I would whisper to you as I whispered to Eve, do as you please. To the young, I would whisper that the Bible is a myth. I would convince them that man created God instead of the other way around. I would confide that what's bad is good and what's good is square. And the old, I would teach to pray after me, our Father, which art in Washington. And then I'd get organized. I'd educate authors in how to make lurid literature exciting so that anything else would appear dull and uninteresting. I'd threaten TV with dirtier movies, and vice versa. I'd peddle narcotics to whom I could. I'd sell alcohol to ladies and gentlemen of distinction. I'd tranquilize the rest with pills. If I were the devil, I'd soon have families at war with themselves, churches at war with themselves, and nations at war with themselves, until each in its turn was consumed. And with promises of higher ratings, I'd have mesmerizing media fanning the flames. Everyone uses data today to verify a point of reference or to support a product that they're selling. Statistics can also be manipulated to say things that aren't true as well, so one has to be careful how they are used and interpreted. Here are a few that you can discern. 73 million babies have been aborted worldwide every year, according to the Guttmacher Institute. There are almost 900,000 abortions in the United States every year, and that is down 7%, by the way, since 2018. Pedophilia, the desire to have sex with children, is exploding in the United States. Federal Bureau of Investigation stats show that child pornography is one of the fastest-growing crimes in the U.S., in the past decade, child pornography arrests have increased 2,500%. Two-thirds of sex offenders in state prisons have committed offenses against children. The National Center for Missing and Exploited Children reports best data suggests that at least 100,000 American children a year are victimized through child sexual exploitation. And there are also over 100,000 rapes per year in the United States. And the statistics go on from there, on and on and on. And of course, statistics are simply data. They need to be interpreted. Well, one of the things that I have noticed over the last several months is how much God is brought into the discussion. How much is God brought into the narrative, whether it's the pandemic or in society as a whole? Sometimes, and more often than not, God is really left out of the discussion. But I want to refer you to Matthew 24, verses 37 to 30. But as in the days of Noah were, so shall be the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Well, go back and read the story of Noah in Genesis 6. God said in Genesis 6, 5 through 6, these words, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So God destroyed the earth. Some say, well, that was God then. He's different today. 
Well, if God is different today, and he relented of his justice in judgment, then why is the book of Revelation listed in the New Testament? Isn't the New Testament, according to that kind of thinking, the new God? The book of Revelation is the story of God's wrath upon a world like that in Noah's day, who have lived in perpetual wickedness without any regard to God's laws. Today is no different than the days of Noah. Today is no different than in the days of Noah. God destroyed the world because of the wickedness had become out of control. Everyone knows that life in general is getting darker, not lighter. We can talk about revival and how God is on the move, and that may happen in selected areas of the world, but the general rule of what we see is that more people today are being influenced by darkness. We are accepting more practices by society that the Bible condemns. Okay, so how do we address these issues? Are we only complaining about the darkness, or are we being moved to push it back? Carter Conlon from Times Square Church in New York City said, A new law was recently passed in Ontario, Canada, stating that if your son, at the age of eight, decides that he is a girl, yet you refuse to let him go to school in a dress, the government has a right to take that child out of your home. The message that the Lord's put on my heart for this morning is called Push Back the Darkness. Some of you may or may not be aware of this, but a couple of weeks ago in the province of Ontario, Canada, A new law was passed that if your child at the age of eight comes home from school one day and your little boy decides that he's a girl and you refuse to let that child go to school in a dress, then the government has the right now to take that child out of your home. You see, folks, you've got to understand we're living in a perilous time. We are living in an age of lawlessness that the scriptures have spoken about, a darkness that you and I never imagined would ever touch our generation. We read it in the Bible and we knew it was going to come. We knew that there would be an unspeakable lawlessness and a great falling away in the last day before Christ returns. But most of us never thought we'd ever live to see a day like this. And if you think this is bad, without God intervening, folks, I fear for what kind of a generation we're leaving for our sons and daughters ahead of us. The Gospel Coalition printed an article called Pushing Back the Darkness. Here in part was what they said. But even as the shadow of darkness blankets our landscape, there are an ever-increasing number of embassies of the kingdom of light. That's what the church planting is all about, establishing outposts of light in a land of darkness. Church planting is about pushing back the darkness as the gospel light shines forth through the churches all around the globe. So, Pastor Conlon from Times Square Church talked about the prayer of David, to be delivered from the influence of evil men. The Gospel Coalition said in response to evil in society, we need to plant more churches, outposts where the message of the gospel is proclaimed. Pulpits again need to challenge the people of God to know that sitting in a pew on Sunday morning is not pushing back the darkness. And no matter how much is preached about how dark it is getting, there will be no stopping it by just hearing about it. I think part of the problem we face is that we know how the story ends. Evil reigns supreme in the last days, and it is only until Jesus comes back that the reign of terror will end. Yet, even if we are unable to stop the darkness, we must be the light for those who want to escape it. There will always be people who want to change, who know that the darkness is not healthy, but it is a curse of death. For those people, we have to be in prayer. We have to be planting more outposts of truth. 
We have to get the people of God off their Sunday morning pews and use their influence to create a coalition to push back the darkness in our day. It may not be easy, but we have to start somewhere. We need to talk about it among our friends and Bible study partners. Pastors need to talk to their colleagues about it and form plans to change this virus narrative from a health issue to a sin issue. God's perspective is not a health issue. He is using this virus to wake us up. He knows health is the number one concern with most people, but his perspective on the number one human issue isn't health, it is sin. We are in a war and the propaganda is about health, government, and yes, feelings. I know there are lots of conspiracy theories all over the place, but let me tell you that the Bible is not a conspiracy theory. God is serious about sin, and we have not been. God gave his only son to make a way for us, and we have ignored it as a general population. That is what this is about, getting us to revisit our lives, our faith, and the purpose for why he established the church and why we have become Christians. It is time to evaluate our compromise to the values of Scripture and to repent from it. It is time to recommit to the cause of Christ and reawaken a desire to reach people with the reality of God and His Word. Godlessness is on parade. Godlessness believes it has the upper hand. And only recently are we starting to see how vulgar and vile it really is, that spirit, and those over whom it gains dominion. That's why you hear such cursing happening now, even among politicians. It's, such, it's so tragic. The division, the bitter speech, the escalating encouragement towards people actually to do things that ought not to be done. It's following the pattern of history. The battle is now about Christ and his restrictions on behaviors of those who in themselves, they want no restrictions and they want to be their own judges of what is right and wrong. This is the battle. It always has been the battle of a fallen humanity. When Satan came into the Garden of Eden, he sowed a seed of his own fallen nature into humankind. That you don't need to follow the ways of God. You can be as God in yourself. And you can determine what is right and what is wrong. And have we not fallen prey as a generation to that evil logic? May I put it that way? The casting off. This is why the heathen are raging. This is why the nations are coming together and banding together around a common cause, which is shocking to those of us who know Christ. Casting off, it says, let, let us cast off their cords from us. All of the restrictions that Christ has brought upon our behaviors, and they, as his representatives, let us stand against the Lord and against his anointed, those that have the Spirit of God on them, and let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. That's exactly what we're facing today. That is the battle. It's, it's not Democrat versus Republican versus Libertarian, etc., etc. It's godlessness versus Christ. That's what we are fighting in this generation. A lawlessness that has risen up in this and other societies exactly as the Bible foretold it would be in the last days. A sudden infusion of lawlessness that will culminate in the words of Jesus where he said, You shall be hated of all nations for my namesake. We're heading there, folks. But thanks be to God, throughout history, we see that if we will stand up, if we will begin to pray, if we will yield our bodies to the purposes of God, God can extend in any society a season of mercy where multitudes, sometimes too numerous to count, are drawn 
into his kingdom. A special thanks to Pastor Conlon from Times Square Church for his inspiring words in a sermon called Pushing Back the Darkness. I pray that we, those of you that listen to this podcast on a regular basis, will take some of the concepts and ideas and scriptures that you heard today, and you too will become a warrior against darkness. You will push it back by your prayer, by your voice, and by your vote as we approach the voting season. We want to be able to stand against evil, push it back, and not allow it to infiltrate every area of our world, which it has, but we can stand up and we can push back. We can be a standard against that which is now being set in every area of our American lives. Thanks again for listening to the City States Podcast today. I'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us today. Every Friday we bring you this podcast with interviews with people who are challenging the status quo of Christianity and challenging the cultural norms of our day. Please help us get the word out by sharing the link to this podcast with your online friends and family. Our website also contains other podcasters who are part of the City Sites network of communicators all sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Our website is citysitesurbanmedia.com.